Ready? Hello, and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pranil. And every week we listen to great video game music from all consoles and all generations. Every week we pick a topic, we pick some music, and we, um, we listen to the music, and we, we, we talk about the music, we talk about the games, we talk about everything else in between. And this, this summer is the summer of 16-bit, so we're going it's full retro. Full steam ahead and full heat ahead because heat waves are terrible and Ooh. we're in one. We are in one right now, but we're getting some storms tonight. So I'm hoping it cuts things a little bit for the weekend. <laughs> I'm looking forward to are that. We st- are we still getting the Elsa stuff? Because we had that crazy like burst of rain that lasted all five minutes earlier. So I wasn't sure what to make of that. The last I read was it was cutting west and it's hitting us overnight. So, oh, okay. Which is perfect because I was like, it's not going to hit our record time. <laughs> That is good. And also, I mean, I can go and clean out to make sure there's no flooding that takes place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure the listeners are like, oh, yeah, these guys are going to deal with a wet, wild, crazy time. Oh, it's my gosh. Fun. I mean, we, we've recorded in storms before, but generally I'm worried about how the internet works, how well it's going to hang on during those storms. Um, you're probably hearing... Which from a, the positive, it means... I got you. I was going to say, I'm glad to hear at least that I don't have to worry about driving in it because I'm actually recording at home today. That's right. You got you got ahead of me, and I just wanted to mention that Pernell probably sounds different because um, we're going back to, to just doing separate houses, and that's because Pernell's a very sick man. No, the, pro- <laughs> the problem is that my basement <laughs> my basement is under construction, and because of that, all of my litter boxes, all two, the two of litter boxes, are in my office with the cats, and it's not a pleasant place to be in. And where Purnell usually sparing sits, sparing me the misery. Yes, and where Purnell usually sits is where the cats are sitting right now, and it's not not good. So, but it'll be done in a week. So maybe the next couple episodes we'll be doing it um, pandemic style. That's what we're going to call it from now on. <laughs> pandemic style, oh. boogie woogie woogie. Not, 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 not that we're out fun. of a pandemic, but like we're just you know pre-vaccination style. <laughs> Pretty much, because yeah. right now, I mean, like even now, like I'm still. Like, I went out of town, actually, recently for the first time in, like, almost two years. Yeah. And it was apprehensive. I was a bit apprehensive about it. But I feel like, ultimately, I did the best I could with it. Like, it was so different from how it used to be. Like, at the airport the whole time, I had to, like, wear your mask. And I took that very seriously. Um, So, basically, I was used to wearing my mask at the longest, maybe 40 minutes at a time, 50 minutes at a time. Like the exception being like maybe if I was playing the dance game or something, exercise. But in this scenario, I'm wearing a mask upwards of like six, seven hours at a time, mm. and it was it felt different. That's for darn sure. Um, but in the end, my philosophy on it, like I mentioned at the end of the last episode, was that you know I took my shot. I have to. I believe in the shot enough to just do certain things that I want to do. Not so much that I'm going to just be like, hey, this trip to Walmart calls for no mask. But uh. I do feel like if I'm going to just hang out with some friends who also got down with the business with their jabby jab, I should feel at least confident enough to do something with that. Take my chances there, you know? Rhythm so. and pixels. Get down with your business with a jabby jab. That's what we're That's telling. Right, jam jab. Yeah, and if you can understand so. what we mean, then go do it. That's what we feel. <laughs> yeah. 
And you know, it turned out to be worth it. And with the one funny final aspect to it was that uh, at one point I took on a puzzle bobble challenge from Ooh. actual friend and listener Leslie. And uh, she is known as being like the puzzle bobble master. What she doesn't know, or she knows now, Man, is that bobble. she gets a little intoxicated <laughs> and loses some of the touch. Oh. And I took advantage of that. Ran right in it. Like, boom! Bubble bobble madness. That game requires some precision, too. I mean, I love uh, bubble bobble or puzzle bobble or like... It's it's my one of my favorite puzzle games all time all time, um, but yeah, oh, yeah any any anything there's anything can affect your precision your judgment shall we say mm-hmm. uh, it's tough that's a tough game it really is tough and honestly I I am genuinely challenged by it, but because of her I admittedly got better at the game because. You ever get in that situation where like you're playing a game and you're used to being good at it because you're just you're doing better than the people you generally play with, yep. and then one day you play somebody <laughs> who just like bonk, you're like, whoa, I lost. It must have been a fluke. Try to try again. <laughs> lost again. Man, let me crack my knuckles here. Something's a little off. And you lose one more time, like, let me lean forward. Let me <laughs> you gotta do the, I gotta focus. You gotta do the gamer stance. Alright, you know what? Let me um oh. Let me put the headphones on. Just lean forward a little bit. And it could, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what it was. We played all night at an anime con one time in the game room. We were just going head oh, to that's head. Awesome. People wanted to come up to play the game. It was like, go away. This is our machine. It was vicious. <laughs> go find another TV. We're playing straight. Puzzle Bobble. That's right. There's blood in the water. <laughs> now, Puzzle but Bobble was, a great time, was in the arcades during the 16-bit era, but I don't think there was a... Was there a 16-bit iteration of Puzzle Bobble? Mm, no, the first home console iteration was on the Saturn, and yeah, I'm pretty sure it was on the Saturn. It was Puzzle Bobble 2. Yeah, and I had a PlayStation 1, a PlayStation 2, and I had it on the Neo Geo Pocket also. Uh, that was the first game I got for the Neo Geo Pocket. Or the Neo Geo it Pocket. Puzzle Bobble? Color. Yeah, Puzzle Bobble. I, I, I wanted the fighting games for it, but the, I, I was deciding to f- what to do with my money. And I thought, you know what? I play this game all the time. I want it. Because um, so I was going to, uh, I was going to England, and I wanted a game to play on the flight, so that's what I got. That sounds like a good call to me. For me, I, my puzzle game of choice was Puyo Pop on that system at the time. Oh man, I'm still bad at it, but man, <laughs> do I flex like I'm good. No shame. <laughs> well, you're, be- you're better than me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'm um, the type of guy in that game where I can break, I can get a mean combo going at the start, but the moment I get into a panic mode, it's just mm-hmm. dig, dig, dig. <laughs> It's no time to play it. Just dig. <laughs> but uh, and that's usually my downfall. I got to play it better in, in, in chaos. That's what I need there. It takes so much. That game is so much planning, though. And, and Puyo, Puyo plus Tetris has got to be even worse. Oh, it's brutal. It's switching it's brutal. both sides I play it on of your Switch brain. all the time. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have, not been, I have not been playing Persona. Um, with my time, I have been back to playing classic shmups on the, uh, the Capcom arcade collection on the PS4. A tisket, a tasket. Uh, tisk a tisk. I'm playing 1944, The Loop Master. It's awesome. I love that game. Wait, that's the name of the game? Yeah. 1944 was, is the biplane game, right? Yeah, it was 1943 was the first one. 1943 Kai was the uh, the hacked hard mode version of that game. And then 1944, The Loop Master, I think was the sequel or like the extra sequel. And um, What makes it Loot Master? Is it involving a loot, L-U-T-E? Oh, no. Or is it an actual loot, like money everywhere? A loop, L-O-O-P. Oh, because not I, Loot Master. And I haven't quite figured it out yet. I think it's either because it's encouraging you to play through the game in multiple loops, or it's because the plane flies in a loop. 
Hmm. And then that's like this the thing. It's a great game though. I'm I I love it. Um, if you loved shooters from like the the early two thousands, like that's a great collection to get. It has Street Fighter uh, Turbo and Super Street Fighter Turbo. There's no online mode. It's just you're playing against the computer. It's got a bunch of beat 'em ups, but like that whole thing is it's got 1943, 1944, 19xx, and it has Giga Wing, and it has um, I forget the other one that's a side scroller. That's awesome. Uh, Pro Gears, and it, and it's like oh, I don't need anything else. It's so good. I love it. So I just I feel like I want to get into Persona, but I don't have the time. You know, like I'm at a point where I know I know. I'm at the point, and you know it too. I'm gonna sit down, and I'm gonna want to play it all night long. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stop until the dungeon's done or the story's done. And I, I, I just need to devote that time to it, and I just don't have it. There's always rest mode on the console. I mean, I could do where that. You don't have to save the game. I know I could do that, but I'm not gonna want to do that. <laughs> so I'm Touché. thinking, literally, Pernell, I'm thinking of taking a day off of work <laughs> to play Persona. You should. Oh, it's so sad. I'm not a, I'm a terrible influence. You know, people you at home, people at off. home, take off of work. Just don't go to work to play video games. We used to do it when we were younger. People do it again now. Don't go to school. People do it. People do it right now. I got friends who are taking off for releases of games to this day. It's oh, a good idea. I just don't. I'm just like, I'm more about the acquisition than the darn playing these days. So I don't need to take a day off for a game, but yeah. I certainly know people who do because they get excited about the actual game. Yeah, it's important to, to sell. It's self-care. It's self-care. If you get excited about mm-hmm. something, get excited about something. Be, be enthusiastic. Maybe about I'll something. take the day off for it. Maybe I'll use a floating holiday for Shin Megami Tensei Five. And be like, there it is. If I can't do it for that game, what would I take the day off for? Huh? I would be surprised. I would be very surprised if that was not the game that you would do that for. Or, or, or is the game come out like on a week on, on a holiday? <laughs> is it come out like around? It is now Shin Megami Day. Shin Mag- Oh, I like that. SMT and SMT's Eve. Eve is what we're gonna call that day. We gotta figure out that day, and we'll, we'll make it a holiday for the show, and then we'll celebrate it. Oh yeah, that'll be a shimmy. dancing like a dancing a merry jig. Bought the collector's edition and everything. After swearing off collector's editions, like I gotta get this one. This though. this is the one for you. I, I, if you didn't get anything special for this release, I would I, I would seriously think there's something going on. Yeah, scalpers. Because <laughs> <laughs> they cause they tore that game up. <laughs> it didn't last long. So. All right. Let's talk about this topic this week. So this came up a uh, uh, user, user, a uh, listener. We're not the Legacy Music Hour. They are a listener and Patreon member, not Patreon member. Oh my God. I should just cut all of this. I see it might be because, and honestly, I hope they correct us if they hear it because a Discord user, I know we, yeah, and Jess. podcast listener, Jess. So it could be a Jess who was a Patreon but member. But we also have, but we have the Patreon Phantom Jess. Mm. And we were questioning, are Jess and Phantom Jess the same person? Because we have no way of knowing. It's never come up. So now it's like, hey, Jess, if you're listening to this, hopefully you are since you suggested the topic. You're also (laughs) Phantom Jess. Let us know. (laughs) It would be pretty funny if you weren't. We're like, what? Everyone's got different names on Discord and on Facebook and on Instagram and on Twitch. And I'm like the boring guy. I'm like, yeah, I'm just Rob Nichols everywhere now. I don't care. Um, Hey, but it makes it, it makes it easier for the algorithm to figure out what you like to do. Yeah, right. I want the algorithm to know me, so I can buy the right things. Um, 
<laughs> so Jess suggested that we dig deep and into this era of games and this era of the world, right? So not just the late 90s, mid 90s of video games, but at the time, the movies of that era and all of the games. But still 16-bit. Yes, but all of the 16-bit games that came out for those movies. And oh my gosh, they made a movie for damn near everything. Um, And they made a game based off of a lot of movies, which also kind of surprises me for that era. Because nowadays, it's not a big surprise to Mm -hmm. see only because so many publishers and developers are out there that... That's even to the bet. It might be more of a surprise now because indies are generally the smaller like the smaller tier development mm. and they don't usually get the licensing rights to movies and the big budget studios are too busy doing big budget games to license like the fast and the furious coming out of square enix or <laughs> things like acclaim and lja yeah. don't exist anymore so it's like hmm who's going to produce these titles so honestly now I think back on it i retract my statement they were more common back then than they are now i think they were more common back then and I'm thinking about the the, the games, the, the movies they decided to make games out of, right? Like nowadays, like of course, as like a, a kids movie comes out or an action movie comes out, they're gonna make a game for it, okay? But mm-hmm. <laughs> in the 16-bit era, these movies, not all of them were that exciting to have a whole video game around. Or like, um, okay, I didn't pick any music from this game, but Cliffhanger with uh, Sylvester Stallone is not exactly a video game movie, but oh my gosh, they made one anyway. Um, and my first... But they had the Rocketeer, so we got some goods there. Okay, we did get the Rocketeer, but that was 8-bit. We got 8-bit Rocketeer. Um, no, there was a 16-bit one, too. Oh, was there 16-bit? There is. Okay, before, I didn't pick from it, okay, but be- it does exist. Before we get started, and this might be a little bit of... You don't have to tell me, but I'm curious. Did you find Turbo Graphics games? Of course I did. You did. I'm sticking with my theme. One from every console. I, I couldn't find one. Maybe I just didn't look hard enough. Um, so Or you didn't reach hard enough. Because <laughs> this is a little bit of a reach, but it counts. My first track comes from the game The Lawnmower Man. The movie The Lawnmower Man. Um, for the Sega Genesis. Did you pick that one? I did not. Okay. This is a game. This is a movie that is not that exciting at all (laughs) and does not make any sense yet they made a game out of it because it's all about virtual reality is the game virtual reality absolutely not the um the track is called cyber run and it is by alistair brimble who we focused we didn't focus but we had a lot of tracks from the last episode who did the the game trodlers remember that one same guy same guy so let's check it out alistair brimble cyber run the lawnmower man sega genesis so we're going to the movies for now. Get your popcorn. I'll get the popcorn. I'll get the VR headsets. You get the lawnmowers. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, what? No, nah, no. I, they don't let you take those into the theater. They make too much noise. Oh, man. Are the VR headsets? No, they're fine. No, the lawnmowers. <laughs> no, I'm kidding with you.
You're listening to the track Cyber Run from the game, the movie, The Lawnmower Man <laughs> for the Sega Genesis. This one's composed by Alistair Brimble, becoming a, a regular on our show now. I like Honestly, it. Honestly, if he's pumping out tracks like this, I'm kind of okay with it because yeah. this is good. I'll never play The Lawnmower <laughs> Man, but I'll play this track in my car. Yeah, so Alistair Brimble, you'll play this in your car. You, you turn up the turn up the bass to hear that. Okay, I mean, as much as I love the Sega Genesis and the sound of the synthesizer, sometimes when these drums get produced on that sound chip, they sound a little farty. They're a little, they're a little uh, flatulent, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you're trying to think about tracks that came from a game that isn't Booger Man. Maybe, uh, maybe so. Um, a, a Primal Rage. There was a, a character that. Uh, the gorilla. The gorilla would fart on its opponents. Now, yeah. think about this gag. The movie Lawnmower Man, right? Mm-hmm. So, and this is how I always felt about it. Like, I never quite picked up on what it was, because even though it was called <laughs> The Lawnmower Man, the only reason it was titled that was because apparently the person who gets thrown into this whole VR tech thing is a, is a, is a is an actual person who did work as a lawnmower he mowed lawns, yeah. but he was like learning. He had like a learning disability, mm-hmm. so like people gave him a lot of grief or something like that. I remember that, and I'm trying to remember how he ended up becoming connected with the VR technology. Like I want to say someone just used it as an experiment on him or something. Yeah, I can't so, remember. So as I remember, as, as I remember it, um, it was um, a, a scientist. Someone's gonna write in and be like, "Oh, you forgot the whole thing." Of course, I forgot the whole thing. It, it, how many years has it been? Um, so a scientist creates this VR world right um, uh-huh. and I think it's also like uh, it creates some some kind of like learning thing too and it, of course in the 90s everything's connected from a computer and, and, and the internet is a real thing and they all and you can control the world nowadays that makes sense but in the 90s it did not make sense um, <laughs> but the scientist was Pierce Brosnan did you know that oh I yeah. did not know that so yeah quite a quite a name for this movie um, and uh, yeah, and so the lawnmower man is the um, the guy who mows their lawn. He's like their landscaper, and they bring him in, and he's like he runs experiments on the guy, and he becomes super duper smart, and he takes over the VR world, and then something happens. I forget the rest. That's the movie. That's pretty much all we need to know, though, honestly. Because the reality it was it was probably popular at the time. But. Yeah, it was a Stephen King short story. Um, like like most movies are. Really? Yeah. Uh, Things I did not know. I remember that. Uh, so yeah, it's just the movie itself is kind of slow. Not a lot going on. It was just an excuse to put in some kind of goofy like '90s um, CGI effects and all that stuff. And uh, and because it was about virtual reality and like I think that was really capturing the public's imagination. They they made some video games out of it. And. I'll tell you right now. Well, I, have, I have Algernon, except he became a megalomaniac. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have not played these games, um, any of these games. I don't think I've I also never played Flowers for Algernon. The, the, the <laughs> Flowers for Algernon, the video. Oh, I played one. I played. Oh, this is probably not good for the podcast. It was a flash game for what was that Macaulay Culkin movie um, with the girl? Alone? No. Oh, 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 Mac. No, not Mac and me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, remember, all I know is all the, I know the, my girl, my girl. It was called my girl, the video game. And it was literally just you running from bees and you couldn't escape. It was awful. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. Jesus people. 
I mean, I'm, I live in a world of memes, so I've seen plenty of references to that. But yeah. still, I couldn't play a game. Like, I was like, what? <laughs> I that know. movie was sad as the dick is oh, back in the gosh. day. Now, Mac and Me was not sad. In fact, that's that's a, that's a Mystery Science Theater special that's on Netflix right now. You can watch that one. And a running joke that ran through Conan's pretty much his entire like stand-up career. <laughs> that scene doesn't happen very long. Like it's it's pretty early on in that movie. It's really funny of the kid falling down with in the wheelchair. It's if anybody's listening to this, oh, like, what the heck I are know these it. two talking yeah, about? Just look like up a... Conan O'Brien yeah. and a Paul Rudd, Mac and me, and that's all you need to see. It's hilarious. Yeah, actually, I think um, uh, uh, Conan O'Brien's last episode, he had Paul Rudd on, and they did the gag again. The second um, to the last episode, yeah, he came on and oh, spunk punked him one last time. And if you think that I'm a horrible person for laughing at a person falling in a wheelchair, it's it's not just it's just how bad. No, watch the clip. You gotta watch the clip. You gotta watch. The clip. You gotta you gotta watch the alien, like the really bad, like like goofy plastic alien that comes. It's so strange. Um, I don't the know. Clip why. pretty much handles all. Honestly, yeah. I've, I've, been, I've been watching uh, Mystery Science Theater like before bed. I'll just put it on the TV and just lay down and just listen to them, just riff on movies, and like that's just my night. Um, before because that's the whole shtick of the show. What sleeping? Isn't it? Sleeping? No, Mac Mystery Science Theater is riffing on movies. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But like it's become my nighttime show. It's become like my 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 uh, my sleep. Your wind show. down. Yeah, my wind down. It used to be British Bake Off for a long time, but now it's. That would just make me hungry. It does. Oh my god! I dream about pastries. <laughs> it doesn't stop. And that's why it's good you stop because you don't have your exercise access anymore. So yeah, less sleeping on cakes and waking up eating a bakery. So mm. no, just waking up bad rub. craving donuts, but every mm. time judging them and not believing that they're perfect. Oh mercy! <laughs> All right. So what's what's your first movie? What's your first movie? Well, fun fact about this episode was that, and partly why I have a very specific amount of tracks is because I spent a lot of time playing the games as I was coming across. I was like, wait a minute, I forgot about this. I want to play it now. So I actually went and booted the games up and played them and discovered that, holy cow, I was really good at games back in the day. Oh, I saw you you mention these on Facebook and I was like, oh, you're actually getting into it. You're getting in there. Oh, I was getting into it. So thank you for that suggestion, Jess. You sent me back in time. To an era where games were movie tie-ins and holy cow frustrating. But let's get this party started with my first track. Um, this comes from the game. This is actually a discovery for me. Hmm. Dino City. Oh. And the track is titled Careless Circus, composed by Hiroshi Ebihara.
You're listening to The Careless Circus from the game Dino City on the Super Nintendo, uh, composed by Hiroshi Abihara. I feel drunk I have no listening idea. to this song. This song is so odd. It's just, I feel like mm-hmm. I'm swaying around back and forth at like a carnival. It's just crazy. Mission accomplished. Like, I don't know, like, there were three tracks from this game I was considering, but this one ended up being the one that stood out for some reason. Like, it just... It clicked for me, like the do 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 like it's just so much. I just liked it, and also I think it's funny for me because people like to say Pearl is a lot of circus music. Well, this is an actual circus theme, and in your face, I'm sure people are like, "Yeah, that's all well and it's a fine game track, Pernell, but sure, it's no movie themed English." And I'm like, "Well, actually, I didn't realize it up until recently, but this was based on a movie." A movie album that got me. I don't remember it, but I wager I did hear of it back in the day. And the movie was called Adventures in Dinosaur City. Oh. It came out in 1991, and it was about a group of kids who got teleported into their, you know, this was a common theme back when let's just get this out the way. Yeah. Kids get teleported into TV where favorite TV show exists, and they have to coexist in the TV world. In this case, it's a world of dinosaurs that talk. Like that ABC show, <laughs> Reptiles. Um, <laughs> it was called Dinosaurs too. Uh, but it was kind of like that. And basically the kids worked together with dinosaurs to thwart an evil kingpin, Dino Kingpin, <laughs> and get back home. So it's kind of funny because when I went and looked at the movie and read up, I was like, wait a minute, this does click because the two you control two of the kids and two of the dinosaurs from the movie, and they do have the same names. So it is a one-to-one like movie ba- a game based on this movie and i was always intrigued by the game proper because nintendo power featured it mm-hmm. and i liked the graphics i liked the idea of like you know dino hop and bop along with like the abilities that dinosaurs have though admittedly there's no reason to use rex because he punches whereas the other character throws things so it's like i got a projectile or i can deal with a character with a crappy hitbox i think i've made my choice yeah, always uh-huh. use always use the better hitbox always that's right. And honestly, the game is a pain in the butt. Uh, I enjoyed my time oh. with it. But at the same time, this is another case of, and this is going to come up a lot on the show, um, of a game that I wager I'd have been better at as a kid than now because I was playing. I was like, this is really annoying. Like, these <laughs> controls kind of suck. Uh, the timing isn't all that great. Mm-hmm. And the hitbox on the attacks is terrible. So. As a kid, though, we're more forgiving and we have more free time, so we're willing to just like deal with it and push through till we see the end of the game. But as an adult, with a, a plethora of games at my disposal, no. But it was enough to say I'm going to experience it and play around with it for a bit and see what, what all the fuss was. And the music stands out to this day. The music is pretty darn cool, I have to say. And it's very clear and crisp on the Super Nintendo, which is always really nice. Um, I'm looking at the, the, the movie poster for Dinosaur Adventures in Dinosaur City. It is super 90s. There's a T-Rex in a leather jacket and sunglasses. There is oh, a, yeah, he's cool. a Triceratops. I ha- I cannot figure out if he's wearing... He's wearing shorts and like a button-down shirt and a vest. He looks pretty cool. Our name is Tops. It's Rex and then Tops. Ah. And then the kids are named like... I think it's almost like Timmy and Tammy. Yeah, Timmy. Because of it, course... I think in the game it's just Timmy and he's high-fiving the T-Rex and the tagline okay at the bottom it says fun for the whole family and I think that's I think that's important because at the top of the poster 
It says, long before there were turtles, the world was ruled by dinosaurs. So I think they're saying, we're not Ninja Turtles. This is for the whole family. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like they're trying to like differentiate the themselves. Like we're a family-friendly show, you know. Uh, with turtle with dinosaurs that punch and throw darts at cavemen. I'm, I am I am obsessed with figuring this out. I don't know who any of these actors are in this movie. Um, Me neither. I think they're all from Europe, and of course no. we were kids back then, so famous actors in Europe wouldn't really stand out for us. Now these are these are definitely American actors. I'm looking them up, and they're all they've all done just 90s TV movies in America. Weird. Yeah, and, and some other yeah. stuff like on USA, like Silk Stalkings and, and those kinds of shows. And yet somehow this still garnered enough attention to get a video game by IRIM. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here's another one. Here's another one that you might not know. Okay. There was a, there was a movie in 1994 that starred Ray mm-hmm. Liotta and Ernie Hudson. Yeah, Ernie Hudson from the Ghostbusters. And then we're not talking about okay. the Ghostbusters movie because this is Ray Liotta. This is a, a movie called No Escape, an R-rated movie from 1994 that gets a Super Nintendo game. Did the track title No Surrender? <laughs> yeah, No Escape, No Surrender. No. The track is called Outside Insider's Village. So I guess it's <clears throat> the Insider's Village and you're outside of it. There's a lot of music in this game. Um, I think it was composed in a very cinematic way. I, I would imagine it's still a very generic platforming game. It's composed by Shahid Ahmad and Andy Taylor. And to kind of get you ready for this, um, the, 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 the summary of the movie is, a soldier convicted for murdering his commanding officer is dumped and left to die on a prison island inhabited by two camps of convicts. Man, what a harsh girlfriend. She could have just <laughs> let him go the natural way. I was just thinking that. I was like, he's dumped, and then he's left to die. Like, that is rough <laughs> going. jeez, <laughs> uh, like, was it that bad, lady? Let not, the man live. He's not even left to die. He's left to die on an island that's ruled by by convicts. Two camps, two gangs who are ruling the island. I mean, <laughs> that's... <laughs> We're through, loser. Yeah. That's what you get for being convict- convicted of potential murder. 1994 Ray Liotta looks pretty good, though. So does Ernie Hudson. They, look, they still look pretty young and pretty buff. So um, here we go. This is the track, um, what do I call it? Outside Insider's Village from No Escape for the Super Nintendo.
really energetic drums and really cool like synthesizers like this is an awesome track and the game that you buy the game is a bunch of mini games <laughs> it's, it's a uh, mini game it, compilation it's a mini game it's just mario party um yeah they say uh the, the magazine next generation reviewed it gave it one star out of five. Oof. yeah that's that pretty- makes me kind of sad because like you take this fantastic ost and slap it in a turd of a title <laughs> It just is left to rot in the annals of video gaming history. Oh man! So I, I didn't I didn't realize there was a Genesis version of this game. So I haven't listened to the Genesis soundtrack. I don't know if it's the same, like the same music or the same composers. But um, there was a Sega CD version that was going to be published, but that never never came out. Never never made it. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I'm- good soundtrack if you're looking for interesting soundtracks from games that no one's heard of or played this is one of them <laughs> this is very Any cool. idea what the movie's about or was it like look this isn't even worth looking up oh i don't know i mean i don't know if how how well the movie did but like i, I said it's got ray liotta he is um convicted probably wrongfully convicted for murder oh, no, it's the island I forgot the island thing. I love how the joke went through my head. I got so caught up in the track that I was like, my old man brain forgot. <laughs> Seeing Ernie Hudson also in this actually record, makes me really excited. I, I do want to check this out. Um, there's some other people I sort of recognize. Ian McNeese. Um, he played the Baron Harkonnen in the 90s version of Dune. Um, mm-hmm. Kevin Dillon, one of um, one of like Matt Dillon's brother, he's in this thing. He's I guess he plays a bad guy. He always plays a bad guy. Um, I don't recognize anybody else. He's, so <laughs> he's like the Power Globe. Just start calling him Power Globe. He's, a, he's too, super bad. He's super bad. He's so bad. But Ray Liotta is but the like, uh, is the is the lead in this 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 little this little operation here, and it looks pretty. Um, it looks like a '90s movie for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, as far as I'm concerned, this track will always be known as No Surrender because it just sounds like a No Surrender. It type does. Track. It feels like it. It feels like. Like, like, um, it's really pumping. You know what I mean? Like, this is the final straw. It's got to push through. <laughs> my yeah. family's depending on me. I might not survive this clash, but my family will live to see the end of it. Yeah, this is cool. that's what matters. I love it. Yeah, what would what would um what would our action movie be? Would we be would you and I be like in a Fast and Furious thing where family is everything, or would we be in more of like a cerebral action thing where um maybe it would we're, have maybe to we're be cerebral? Travelers. Yeah. You think so? It would have to be cerebral because we need something that involves more of our imaginations as opposed <laughs> to just let's just drive these cars very fast, but also gun sometimes. I mean, not that I'm a bad Damn. driver, but I'm not like such an exceptional driver that they would make an action movie out of me. I mean, yeah, and you're pretty oh, good. Can... You're pretty good. Oh, I will wreck it on the highway. Like, just don't ask me to parallel park action uh, action packed parking job because you're not going to get it. But if you want me to speed down the interstate going 110 miles an hour, I've done that. I'll don't say tell that. The cops. I I challenge you, the listener, 
to go back and watch all of those Fast and Furious movies and count how many times you've actually seen somebody park the car. <laughs> They're probably not great. I'm curious about that. What double bonus if they park the car while intense music is playing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do, 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 do. The guy's like looking over to seat, like back the car up. Got to be careful with this. I want to bump the guy. You know, it's all about the driving, not so much the rules of the road. I'm imagining like, some like hardcore, like 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 early two thousands, um, like new metal is playing. You know, corn is like and Vin Diesel's like really slowly trying to parallel into the spot. Like the Fast and the Furious, more like the Hasty and Responsible. That's, I'd watch that movie. Oh, Hasty and Responsible. So we're being quick about the responsibility. Yeah, like they're not fast, but they are being a little hasty because they got places to be. But at the same time, haste makes waste. So you got to be responsible too. That, but that's why they're, they're that's why they're furious. They're up. They're so upset at all of all of the cars they've wasted trying to go so fast. I love how I was having trouble thinking about the end. Remember, and I just kind of jokingly came up with one <laughs> right on a bike. That's what happens, folks. Yeah, yeah. You, you, like, you think of it throughout the show, and then it becomes like a theme. And then at the end of the show, it's, it wraps it up with a nice little bow. I was like, oh. <laughs> pork chop sandwiches. And remember, <laughs> I like I'd I like to think that at the end of our shows, it is like a little um, a little PSA, you know, a little public service announcement. Where like the show's over, but then the credits roll, but then afterwards, like suddenly Pernell comes out and says, "Hey kids, stay in school, and um, you know, take the time to to appreciate your friends and talk to your family more often. Your grandmother misses you. Goodbye for now." <laughs> I actually was explaining that to somebody the other day because they were like, "Where did that come from?" And they thought I was joking. I was like, no, it originally stemmed from us joking about Sonic says and Sailor Moon says and GI Joe says. <laughs> And then it just was like a thing. Was like, let's just keep doing it. <laughs> so it just kept going. It just, it and then that other thing like was it. like, I really appreciate the end. Remembers. It's like, wait a minute, someone appreciates this. Yeah. Now we gotta keep doing it. Yeah, as if, if one person says they like something, we'll we'll do it for the next five years. It's what's gonna happen. That's pretty much how it works. That's how it works. Because all it's all it's like a little Timmy. It's like it's all about little little Timmy's like thanks Mr. M- Mr. Pixels Mr. Rhythms I really like your musical jams and it's like oh no problem Timmy we just want to make you happy kid what do you want I want you to do an episode riding on a bike but riding on it backwards you gotta have the computer strapped to the front so that you can keep the power running the whole time that sounds rather elaborate Timmy but if Timmy wants it we just gotta do it well you know Timmy, Timmy's real sick for now, so you gotta, you gotta do it. He's a, he's a sadistic little boy. <laughs> All right, what's uh, we're coming up to your next track. What you find for us? All right, my next track is what I would like to call the stretch of the episode because, uh, again, for whatever reason, I got it in my head that I wanted to do. One of all the trio of primary 16-bit consoles oh, every episode. If I it. can help it, I knew you had to stretch for so, this. That's right, but I think it does apply. It's just you'll see. This track comes from the TurboGrafx-16 game City Hunter, and this is the stage select theme composed by Tatsumi Yano. Ah, I think counts. I I would I absolutely counts. Absolutely, this is a '90s anime movie that I watched in the '90s. Absolutely. There we go. See, yes, yeah, see, you're on board. You get I, it. And I I want to say Jackie Chan did a City Hunter movie as well. I could be wrong. Maybe you're I'm, right. Am I right? But I was reading about it the other day, and there's like 
like, I'm trying. They were people were questioning whether or not the City Hunter movie was tied into the manga or movies at all, or if it was like him being like, "Hey, I just like the feeling of this, so I want to do a movie." But I didn't dive in too too deep. It was more like, "Hey, I got to stop doing this so I can play more Dino City." <laughs> <laughs> you get the idea. All right, let's listen to it. This is a uh, City Hunter for the Turbo Graphics 16. You're listening to the stage select theme from the TurboGrafx-16 game City Hunter. Yeah, we are. Done by Sunsoft, believe it or yeah, not. Yeah, we are. This is by all- Tatsumi Yano. Oh, this is so good. This is my favorite track of the episode. This is so it's good. It's so happy, right? Oh. It's just like this weird, uplifting, upbeat jam. Oh, it's so good. And it like evolves, and it builds, and it builds, and it builds, and then it cruises again. Um, this is uh, this is amazing. This is stage select? Are you sure? This is the stage select theme. I I watched the playthrough of the entire game. Oh my gosh! This <laughs> like it's oh, it feels like like title. It feels like credits rolling. You know what I mean? Like that's how it feels. It does. Like and the sad part about it is like in game you don't spend a lot of time on the stage like screen because there's like three areas you can choose from and then when you pick the stage there's like some text that scrolls by with a character kind of explaining what your mission is and then you go. It doesn't take a lot of time. You spend more time on a Mega Man boss select screen than the stage select on this, but this awesome track is what's playing over it. Oh, that's so I am awesome. floored. That's so awesome. Yeah, so you said you stretched, but this is not a stretch. This is definitely a movie. Um, was City Hunter based on a manga? I'm gonna I'm gonna guess it was. It was. It was a manga, then an anime, and then it got some movies. It still counts because most of these movies were also based off of novels. No Escape was based off of a novel called the prisoner huh. or the, the prison island or something silly like that but not the prisoner with a number 13 or any of that right um no no not not that <laughs> no what makes you think a giant balloon would stop them shut up that's why and for the record <laughs> that's one of my most commonly quoted simpsons lines shut up that's why oh man so what, like, what's the what you said you watched some gameplay so what's this one like is another like kind of classic side scrolling shoot them up 
Yeah, the vibe I got from watching is like it looks very similar to something like Rolling Thunder or Elevator Action, okay. where the character is dropped in like a base, and he's got to run down hallways where enemies will pop out and try to shoot at him sometimes, and he's opening doors to go into like these one-screen rooms where he might find nothing, he might find an enemy, he might find a character that talks to him, and sometimes that character will give him items. But I guess in true City Hunter fashion, if you're really lucky, you'll come across a room where a woman's changing. She's like, oh, no! And she covers herself up. He's like, oh, sorry. And he runs back out. Um, but, like, that's pretty much the game. Like, he's running between these different rooms looking for, like, characters that will give him, like, the items he needs to get, I guess, to the goal. And then he has to escape by, by helicopter. And usually that's where he has to fight the boss of the stage on the helicopter pad. It's It's rad. I, I I will say it again. I love the sound of the of the Turbo Graphics 16 PC engine, and I feel like this really plays it, was, it plays to its strengths. It's something about like that rhythm that's got it's got going on. And it's amazing that for as much as I love Sunsolve, I didn't know that this game existed until this episode. I, I swear I know and I've they, heard and it. Apparently, they've translated it like in the last year or two. Mm, maybe that's how I've heard of it because I remember hearing about this game. Maybe getting it confused with Snatcher, but um, knowing that this existed, um, but just not even thinking about it. Wow! Oh, there's these little flourishes of the and the and the other uh, the the oh the drum fill the is super cool, super nineties. And I love how on the stage list screen there's like a character who's like above the stage is like pointing like pick a freaking stage, pick a freaking stage, and it's just like this great image. It's just like a person's constantly pointing. Down, so like, it's I got not, it. I'll pick a level. It's not like Mega Man where he's like, like giving like the side eye to like Hard Man and looking over at Gemini Man. It's like someone just pointing, like just pick it, just do it, or just hit the button. Pick a, pick a blooming stage. There's three just of them. Do it. It's right there. It's not that hard, kid. <laughs> it's like, well, what one of them might have ice cream, and <laughs> I already went swimming, so I don't feel comfortable eating ice cream after swimming. Yeah, so you gotta be safe. I won't pick that stage. You don't go swimming right after eating ice cream. A uh, hamburger. Man. What? One level might require parallel parking, and I've never been all that good at that, so I'd like to re- avoid that stage if possible. There's not enough parallel parking minigames um, in, in video games, but um, I'll tell you what certainly does not have driving or parking of any kind is my next game for the Sega Genesis. It is Dune, the battle for Arrakis. This is the sequel to Dune. Um, it's for Ooh, the, the Sega... spice! The spice must flow on this episode and um, into your mouth. I know you like spicy things. so I do like spicy things. Spice, in this case, is anything filled with capsaicin. Is that how you say it? Capsaicin? I always call it capsation. Capsation? It doesn't spell like it, but for some reason, I think I heard it as capsation once and stuck with it. I don't think I've ever heard anyone actually say it aloud, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. But this track, um, so the, the, the tracks are named after, I guess, what's happening in the game. Or the stages. This is called the Lego tune. I think it's Lego, like L-E-G-O. It's a character in the game um, that you eventually fight against. This is a real-time strategy game. This is the the first Command and the first of the Command and Conquer series that came out on the PC and the PlayStation. Oh yeah. So on the track we have Paul Merda, Frank Klepacki, a really uh, longtime famous. Uh, VGM composer and Dwight Okahara for Dune the Battle for Arrakis. 
put your hands up for Dune. Yeah. <laughs> good. This is Moa really, deep. really good. Moadip. Moadip. <laughs> <laughs> this is legit, man. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, so you're listening to uh, the Lego tune or, or Lego tune um, from Dune Battle for Arrakis for the Sega Genesis composed. I think it's... Hmm? No, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. You think it's uh, you think it's what? I was about to excitedly say, that's how excited I was to say it. <laughs> I jumped early was to say, I think it's worth saying that we owe Jess a major thank you for this topic oh, yeah. because these are some really good picks this episode. And I personally don't think I would have ever been like, let's do a movie 16 bit episode. Yeah. So. I saw it and I was like, I messaged you and you're like, I guess so. Hmm. Not so sure. But I, I have an episode track for the Ender that will show you what I was expecting to hear oh, really? from movie feed games. You'll know why I didn't want to do the topic originally. So, <laughs> just hooked it up. Uh, and yeah. yes, we picked some good ones. Yeah, so this one came out really good. So there was um, to Dune, a novel, obviously, um, and then it was created into a movie in the eighties by uh, uh, was it um, uh, Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick. Stanley which, Kubrick did the movie for Dune. Yeah, it's got it's, it's amazing actors in it. It's crazy. It's really eighties. It's got Sting. Sting is in it. Um, and then in the nineties, it was remade into a kind of a miniseries. And in the miniseries, it's really good. It's played up like it's almost. You want to tell me it was Stephen King? No, it wasn't Stephen King. Um, it's played up. It's played up almost like a like a like a Shakespeare like play. It's just oh, everyone's overacting, and the sets are really elaborate, and it's 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 super entertaining. It's like three or four episodes. Each episode's like about an hour and a half long. If you ever could get a chance to find it somewhere, it's probably on Amazon or on Hulu or something. It's really fun. It's really really good. And um, I heard that they're making a new Dune, like a new. A movie creation of, of Dune, um, like soon. So now is Dune like a drama or a comedy or a dramedy or a thriller? It is a epic. It is a sci-fi fantasy epic. Um, so okay. the uh, the world the world trade system runs on intergalactic travel, and intergalactic travel cannot be performed without spice. And spice. Ooh. So, who controls the spice controls the universe, right? And the spice is mm-hmm. mined from this planet called Dune. Dune is the desert planet, and um, okay. there are houses, um, essentially uh, like families, who control different worlds and different galaxies, and they're all fighting. Wait, is that what, so? I'm so I'm not remembering this properly because you mentioned desert. So one thing I remember about Dune, aside from spice must flow, is giant worms. Yes. So that that they that they live on the planet, and that's that's like that's where they live. Essentially, they 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 produce the spice on the planet. Um, oh, the worms do. The worms do. Yeah. So uh, it's a big part of of that of the world. There's a um, a, a nomadic tribe that live on live on the planet of Dune. They survive wearing still suits that recycle all of the water in the human body back into itself and um yeah they live out there and the the i forget all the details but you follow the main character whose family ends up controlling the production of spice on dune and it's all about like the 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 play the the 
all the backstabbing and stuff that happens on the planet. And he leaves and becomes the new, um, essentially the new, uh, uh, how do you call it? Like a spiritual leader for the people on Dune to, to lead the world into a new direction. His name is Moadib. And yeah, it's, it's and, and to kind of, the rite of passage of the tribe is to call one of these giant sandworms and write it, like get on top of it and write it around. It's crazy. I wonder now. Yeah. Was do you think the Beetlejuice scene where she rides the sandworm was a reference to Doom? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, this movie, the movie is so iconic, um, and the book has been popular and around for so long. Um, it's it's I I love it. I have a lot of um, nostalgia for for the movie the book and um for this for the 90s series definitely so i i suggest anyone just who's interested just check it out it's really it's it's you gotta kind of like just kind of let go you know it's with it's a kubrick movie so you gotta be like okay you're gonna get into some weird stuff and even the 90s show is you're gonna get into some weird stuff there too but it's it's a lot that of fun. 90s show yeah it's that 90s show they made that didn't they right it was like that seven no they that, did it no they did that 80s show I could have sworn it was like that. Maybe it was that '80s right. show, and they stopped there because oh. I just, I just know that whatever one came after '70s show was not very popular. Everything yeah, was the '80s. Like it didn't last. Yeah, it was like two episodes. Um, I talked about Dune for a while, so didn't. <laughs> ain't featured enough garbage, okay? That's why it didn't succeed. They should have taken a lesson from the Goldbergs. Oh, did they have? Did they? Did they talk about the garbage pail kids and the Goldbergs? Oh. Quite a bit. In fact, the guy who created the Goldbergs is a huge fan of Garbage Pail Kids, like publicly. And one of the series that I have, there are a ridiculous number of cards and it's specifically referencing Adam Goldberg. <laughs> and for a while, it didn't click for me. I was like, why are there so many Garbage Pail Kids named Blank Goldberg or Goldberg something? Because they were all related to the show The Goldbergs. No kidding. I learned something. Today I learned. T I L. All right. <laughs> so we're on to your uh, final track, right? Mm-hmm. And this track, you already know I'm probably picking from this game because you see me moan and groan about it on Facebook. I certainly um, did. This game is on the Sega Genesis, complete the trifecta, and this is the game Jurassic Park. The track is titled The Visitor Center Area, and this comes from composer Sam Powell.
Welcome back. You're listening to the Visitor Center from the game Jurassic Park on the Sega Genesis, composed by Sam Powell. Ooh. Fantastic OST. So good. This is probably my favorite track from the game. That's very good, man. This is awesome. It's like, it is raw, man. I just feel like that bass is just... It's, oh, this is... Oh, this just gets me in the mood for some dino action, Pernell. Uh. Well, sit down, because you don't want that action... Uh, so <laughs> let me take that back a bit because I know for a fact as a child I thought the game was fantastic. And honestly, even now, playing it yesterday actually, it wasn't bad. However, I have no idea how in the hell I beat this as a kid because, actually I guess I kind of do, because I'm pretty sure this game requires primarily a case of memorization and knowing the entire game back to front because, oh, I had a bit. so, like, the game is designed where you can either be the raptor or Grant. Mm-hmm. Grant, his goal is to get out of Jurassic Park. The raptor's goal is to eat humans, because why the heck not? I primarily play as Grant, um, and when he plays, he gets a, a tranquilizer gun with weak or powerful darts. He can find, like, stun grenades and powerful grenades. And for the most part, you're just fulfilled, you know running through the, like, the stages that are featured in the movie, just in the form of video game stages. And... His adversaries are, of course, the dinosaurs. Now, why in the heck is this game such a pain in the magungo? Well, I can't remember how many, I'm not sure how many people remember these things, but a lot of games like this that were made to be more like their cinematic counterparts, like feel like cinematic games, had very uh, janky controls because they were trying to model these characters to do like these like jumps that had a number of different animation frames to them, so it actually looked like he was moving and flowing. Uh, so a lot of jumps are like hard to gauge in time. Um, the enemies can attack from off screen. You can fall in a way where this game will scroll ahead of you and you'll die. Yes. Um, that's happened to me a few times. It's annoying as the dick. Yeah. And also, sometimes the enemies are moving so fast, primarily pterodactyls and raptors in the power station, where if you don't know they're coming, you're guaranteed to take that first hit. Because they're moving faster than you can react to them being on the screen. Oh, these yeah. just me being old. It's a lot. Maybe of, younger people didn't have that problem. This, this is this is the the highlight of making a game like a rental game so hard. You're just never going to finish it. Um, I don't know how you finished. Mm-hmm. I never finished this one. I don't know how you got through it. Um, it I'm just pretty like this, sure I played a lot of it. That's about one it. Of, it's one of those games where the screen scrolled horizontally way faster than you could react to way faster than you were actually like moving on, on, on the screen. It was just constantly flowing around. So you couldn't see what was ahead of you or what was behind you or what was coming up next. And, oh man, I was t- I was so excited for this game when it came out, but I was so bad at it. Could not figure it and out. And there was bits of trial and error too. Like, for example, I mean, you get a bunch of different items, like weaponry, but the game, maybe the manual did, I don't remember, but the game itself doesn't explain what weapons are good on what. You just have a bunch of stuff. So, for example, I came across Triceratops at the beginning of the game, and if he see if he doesn't see you, you can jump on his back and then jump over. But if he does see you, you're going to get hit. You have no choice but to get hit because stun darts don't stop it. However, if you happen to have some grenades, like stun grenades, they actually will stop a Triceratops. But you have to know to throw a stun grenade at it, which for a while I was being item hoarder McGee, so I did not think to do that. I just let him toss me over his back, like, okay, I can keep moving now. Uh-huh. Well, Pernell hoarding items, never heard of it. <laughs> you never know. You might have to fight three T-Rexes at once, and you'll want those weak stun grenades. 
choke on a T-Rex, you jerk. <laughs> um, but will I end up seeing myself going back and trying to finish this game? If I weren't swimming in games left and right to complete for, or play just for the re- for reviews and stuff, mm-hmm. or even just my very much failed 10 in, sept- uh, 10 in summer 2021 challenge, I probably would. But merciful crap. There's just no time. There's just there's more to be doing with our time. The summer, the summer of 16-bit. Uh, it's right. not, but not maybe not with Jurassic Park. Maybe not with Jurassic Park on its Sega Genesis. Not um, a chance. Man, there's a lot of good tracks like contending for my favorite of the episode. But you know what? This episode's not over yet because it is time for the bonus round. Bonus round. Bonus round. Bonus. Let me stop making sounds so Rob can talk. Bonus round. Bonus. <laughs> bonus round is where we play covers and remixes and arrangements and just other oddities that we find um, related to our topic on the show. And on this one, I found something a little interesting. This is a Toy Story for the Super Nintendo. Um, you got a friend in me. That's right. Yeah, yeah. We uh, but this is a track called Daytona. It is unused in the Super Nintendo Day version. Daytona, let's yeah. go away. <laughs> That's what Stop. caught my eye. Um, it was, I think, originally supposed to be. I think it was originally used in the Sega Genesis version. Um, it was in the Super Nintendo uh, uh, ROM, I guess, but not used in the game. So Daytona. So we're gonna hear this one. Uh, composers on the soundtrack. We have again Alistair. Brimble, um, Andy Blythe, Martin Jostra, Patrick J. Collins, and um, yeah, of course, some music uh, adapted from Randy Newman, <laughs> but uh, not this one. Oh, God, that means there's a Randy Newman sing fest coming. <laughs> no, no, I think this one is definitely Alistair Brimble, if that's how it feels to me. So here we go. This is from Toy Story for this for the Super Nintendo. Daytona! is Daytona from Toy Story from Toy Story this is uh, Daytona unused track from Toy Story for the Super Nintendo I believe this one is Alistair Brimble um, actually credited 
on the uh, the site that I looked it up on. As is his full full title, his full name, Alistair Morton Brimble. Um, but yeah, this is this is a cool track. I like it. It feels it feels like a racing track. You know what I mean? You really got me thinking about this now too, because like uh, apparently when you said day twenty or something was coming to mind, I was like I heard that, I heard that, I heard that before. And it's because Shining Wisdom actually also has a Daytona circuit. Does it? That's funny. You, you, I you guess find I would... a toy car item that when you find the car, if you equip the item, you drive the toy car around the levels. <laughs> and you can find the secret Daytona circuit, which is a racetrack where you drive the Daytona car <laughs> and go for a good time. It's just a good pun. You know what? And you can't, you can't let it go. You just can't let it go. Fantastic. All right. So what's your bonus round track? So I had I could not do an episode on movies and not coming towards this movie. So of course I had to find a good cover for said game based on said movie, and I found some good stuff. Ooh, what you got? So the game based on the movie is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers oh, the yeah. movie on the Super Nintendo. This is a cover of the Stage Two theme, and it's done by Super Geek Music. <laughs> oh my god i love that track so i've listened to that track multiple times over the last day or two i've never it's heard really, of this group really before good. i've never heard of them before they're really good me neither but they now that i know of them oh i'm diving deep <laughs> i'm diving baby looking for more because this this is a banger and the funny thing is like my memory is a little hazy on this because like the character select screen on the mighty Morphin power rangers the movie the game I think resembles the movie that I one of the movies I didn't see. 
But the very first Power Rangers of the movie, oh, I was excited to go see that at the theater. My friends made fun of me. I did not care. <laughs> I wanted to see it because I wanted to see what the big screen would treat, how the big screen would treat it. It was Power Rangers. But still, <laughs> it was so I powerful. was engaged. I enjoyed it. I had a great time with it. Um, there's something about that back in the day, though, too, when I was like, when you were younger. Because, I mean, I was a teenager at the time, but it still applies where you'd have these, like, children's TV shows that you enjoy, but then you hear about them getting a movie, and you always wonder how they're going to raise the stakes enough to feature in a movie. And even The Simpsons had that. When The Simpsons finally got its movie in the late, early 2000s, it was like, okay, The Simpsons have been on for, like, over a decade now. It's yeah. kind of funny to hear over a decade now. Yeah. Um, but And it was like, now they're finally getting a movie. What are we going to do? To fe- what's going to be a prominent enough plot to feature on a Simpsons movie that they didn't do on the last ever number of episodes they've done on the show? And, of course, that was part of the reason why you went to the movie to see. You want to see what they would do on the big screen. Same with Power Rangers. And I was a pleased person. But the music... And the movie wasn't touching the music in the game. Mm-hmm. Both the Power Rangers movie video game and the original game based on the just the TV show. Both of those games had fantastic OSTs. Really, really good. So, I was always, I, I was never into... I feel like I was too old for the Power Rangers when they came around. Like, like I just... You I, probably I just, were. I missed the interest into it. Like, there was still stuff I was into that I was maybe too old for. But, like... I just I never got into it, but seeing the games and hearing the games, I was always like, "Wow, that's rocking!" Well, that's the thing, though. Like I looking at not even looking back at the time, I already knew it. Yeah, I was definitely be. I, I don't think we were considered too old for Power Rangers, but I felt like I was yeah. because when the show got announced, I was really excited for it because I had fond memories of things like Voltron and the like. And up until this point. Live, I want to say, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong here, but we didn't have any real live action Sentai in the States. No. Like, actually localized, mind you. Not, you know, someone's imported VHS tape. We didn't have any localized. So Power Rangers was like the first thing we got in that regard. So I was excited for it. But then when I watched it on TV for the first two, like the first two or three episodes, I was like, you know, I'm not quite sure I like this or not. I kept watching, but I never really felt like I knew that I was a fan. But whenever they did the miniseries or the movies, I got excited. Like the Green Ranger saga, that was exciting. The White Ranger saga was exciting. They were both Tommy. Um, and, then, uh, and then the movie, I got excited for that. And it was actually really nice just to be engaged in that capacity. But all in all, I can look back and acknowledge flat out. They may have believed it was going to be, I mean, like, I know, I know a lot of adults that are loving these shows to this day. And, like, heck, I got one friend who made a freaking career out of the whole thing. Hmm. But for me, personally, it was always one thing where I was like, you know, I want to get into it more. But for some reason, it just carried this level of cheese yeah. that kept me from really getting invested in it. However, fun fact for those who might not know, this was where Brian Cranston got his start. That's so. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also where um, where hundreds and hundreds of juice bars were started around the country and then failed. Are you serious because of the juice bar and the show? Or are you making that up? I'm just making that up because that's like the only thing I remember. You totally made it. Yeah, I remember. The, the, yeah. <laughs> what about uh, and Skull cosplay? Well, for more information on the bonus round and on super geek music, go to rhythmandpixels.com. We'll have links to uh, 
their YouTube page, their band camps, if they've got one and SoundClouds, everywhere you can go check out their music and support these amazing artists. Um, their YouTube page only has like a few videos onto it. So check them out. They're really fantastic artists. All right, thanks for joining us on episode 28-8 of Rhythm and Pixels. Our summer of 16-bit goes to the movies. And we're ending this that's, one that's now. That's a good label. Goes to the movies. Yeah, 16, summer 16-bit goes to the movies. I like that one. I like that one. Um, yeah, so we're ending this on Bebe's Kids, which I remember was a TV show. No, no, it was a movie. It was a movie first? It may have, got, it may have gotten a conversion, but it was originally a movie. That was done by Robin. Uh, I had his name in my head, and I totally forgot because it wasn't Robin. It wasn't Robin Williams. Rest in peace. It was like Robin Harris. There wow. we go, Robin Harris. It was his, it was a concept based off of his stand-up from back in the day about a bunch of really, really unruly kids whose parent, whose mother didn't really take care of them, just kind of left them to their own devices. So they were just like terrible kids. Um, or in some respects, it was also just really bad kids who never got disciplined mm. um but he made a whole movie about it and it's kind of funny because originally when this topic came across the desk my first thought was this is all gonna be a bunch of movie music from like sounding like movies like music from games like baby's kids which i for some reason believe like it was a bad ost and i wrote a note down so i wouldn't forget the reason why i felt that way which was really short loops like the loops were just yeah, stupid short super, super and then, short and then I was like, hey, Rob, we should pick a track from the end, at the end of the episode for Baby's Kids to give it an impression of what I was expecting to hear. And then we're going through the tracks. I'm just like, crap. These all sound okay. What was <laughs> I listening to this? It doesn't sound yeah, bad. It's not so bad. About, I guess, about almost four, maybe even five years ago, we, you and I guested on the show Pixel Tunes Radio with Ed Wilson and Mike. And uh, it was uh, the show was called Great Music and Bad Games. And I picked the track from Bebe's Kids. And everyone's like, oh, here we go. And I'm like, this sounds cool. Like, these, like, they, they always just sample drum breaks and they just loop it over and over again. Like, yeah, you would say that now. But back in like 94, this was cool. Like, and even now it sounds pretty neat too. And, and these beats are funky. These are still fresh it does. today. Like, like I stand by my only feeling. The only issue I really have for a lot of these tracks is that the loop was too short. So you, it gets repetitive and old fast. My guess but, is uh, that, that the samples might have been too heavy or they too large. So maybe it used too much space on the cart. Or maybe they just didn't care enough. And they're like, yeah, this is, I got some cool breaks. Here you go. <laughs> Throw it on my the track. My exception will be the Stewers. The Stewers track was just, I didn't like that one. Yeah. I was like, Oh, wow, like that a was frog a frog croaking. That was a while ago that we did that one episode. I was in um, I was in Texas for work, and I was listening back to that episode, and uh, I thought I was cool for playing Bebe's Kids. I'm like, yeah, I remember Bebe's Kids. <laughs> you were talking about were you the, strutting uh, down the street? Yeah. I, oh yeah. Yeah. I thought everybody in Houston like they knew who I was. I was a superstar. Like oh, that's step that guy. back, step back, Bebe's Kids aficionado. Right here. This guy knows Super Nintendo music more than I do. Give that man a key to the city. <laughs> um, you were describing the the show and the stand-up, and it reminded me of Bernie Mac from the original Kings of Comedy. His stand-up routine was all about these kids that were horrible and how he hit them with a hammer. And he also did a show related to that stand-up. It, came, it was just the Bernie Mac show. The Bernie Mac show. That's what it was. 
Yeah, I wonder. I wonder, Yeah, I don't think I ever really caught that one, but like I remember watching the original Kings of Comedy and being like, "Oh wow, this is." This the is Bernie Mac show was fantastic. Was it only went off the air because unfortunately he passed away. Yeah. But I guarantee you, if he did not, that show would have gone strong another couple seasons because oh. people loved it and for good reason. I think he would. He would still be. He would probably be doing cameos and stuff in like movies, you know, like action movies and stuff, just like showing up as kind of comedy relief, you know. Yelling at people like he would still be out there today. He'd be kicked. He'd be he'd be pushing Kevin Hart off the screen. Like get out of here. He was already a Bernie Mac, <laughs> cursing his head off. More like like Samuel L. Jackson level cursing. <laughs> Can you imagine the Jumanji movie if they slapped Bernie Mac in there instead of Kevin Hart? Oh, that'd be amazing. Kevin, if it was if it was Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Bernie Mac <laughs> the whole way, they wouldn't have been able to make the height related jokes like they did with Kevin Hart. But I think they would have probably compensated it in a different way. But and people were probably listening. It was like, why of all people would you reference like, Bernie Mac to Kevin Hart? And like for some reason, it's just the way they the way they output their humor. I feel like they have a similar methodology, a method of it, except that Kevin Hart is cleaner in that sense. Yeah, I do. Well, I feel I do like kind they're of very similar in how they deliver. I think it's like the Kings of Comedy, like uh, or the original Kings of Comedy. I really like D.L. Hughley and Kevin Hart kind of slower sort of live side by side in my head. Um, except, yeah, Kevin Hart is, is a lot cleaner. That is for sure <laughs> than the rest of those mm-hmm. guys. Um, oh, wow. We got off on a tangent. Um, thanks for joining us on this episode. Um, we're going to continue the summer of 16-bit. We have we had some suggestions in Patreon. I'm sorry, in, um, on our Discord server. Um, if you can go ahead and find that on our website, rhythmandpixels.com. You can make suggestions there at any time. And most likely, we'll probably do them at some point. Um, there was another suggestion. I think the other suggestion was from Bedroth was to do music from games that were prototypes that were not released. That would be hard as that dick is, especially if we're sticking with 16. Exactly, exactly. So I don't know. We might do a little research on that one this next week and decide on it or not, but we'll figure it out. I will. I, I would wager if we do that one, it certainly wouldn't be next week. That would take time. Yeah. I that d- would take legit time. I, I don't believe that the construction in my house is going to be done by next by the time we record next week. So I have a feeling we'll be doing this separately again next week just to kind of give you a heads up and our listeners too if you don't mm-hmm. mind the sound quality being a little different I'm, I'm always really proud of our, our microphones and our sound quality of the show and the fact that it doesn't even pick well it does pick up my fan a little bit but guess what it's summertime yeah it's hot and there's any time you get a pass it is now <laughs> it's 98 oh, degrees yeah. outside um yeah so if you want to get in contact with us talk about how hot we are literally hot literal hot um send us an email please rhythm and pixels at hotmail.com and for a full track listing of our show and access to all of our shows check out the website rhythm and pixels.com you can check us out on facebook and instagram and twitter it's rhythm and pixels all one word just type it in and you'll find us there check out our discord server it's on our website at the very very top of the website um i think there's a link right there that'll that'll drop you in to our discord server um i'll go to youtube.com slash rhythm and pixels and there we have a 24 7 8-bit and 16-bit radio station playing nothing but classics and deep cuts just hours and hours of music that you can listen to while studying listen to in the car listen to if if you're a twitch streamer you can play it in the background because none of it is licensed music so you can just kind of have classic retro tunes 
all day long. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to Patreon, patreon.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. And there you get a uh, prequel episode every week of me and Pernell kind of catching up uh, just with each other, talking about current events, talking about everything. We talked about lots of stuff on today's uh, prequel episode. Um, you also get access to a monthly live streamed recorded episode, um, and that's uh, once a month. And at the highest tiers, you get access to um, doing fun stuff on the radio station. Like we'll, we'll, we'll give you a shout out in the middle of songs, or you can even record your own promos and you can put your own shout out on the show as well, on the, on the radio station as well. But at the highest levels, we like to thank all of our Patreon members. So we'd like to start with Frankly Zappa, Mike Myers, Sean Dobbins, Andrea, uh, Andreas Milberg, Brian Pitt, Cameron Worma, Carlos Kung Fu Carlito from the Heroes 3 podcast, Chris Wisner, a.k.a. Musashi219, Christopher Shenstrom, Davey Cakes, David Taylor, Harold Howard, Wicked Sephiroth, Justin Schneider from XVGM Radio, Michael Bridgewater, Mebree64 from Forever Sound Version, Reinhard Zelkova, Sleepy S'more, Steve Miller, Taco, The Autistic Gamer 89, and Ed Wilson of the VG Embassy Podcast. So I want to thank all of you so much for your continued support of our program. Much appreciated for sure. Ooh, and then so out of breath. <laughs> keep in mind, of course, if you got any thoughts where you're like, hey, I like what you guys are doing. However, I have another thought. Keep in mind, you can always contact us. Let us know like, if you have any thoughts about the show or anything. If you wanted like more game streams, I don't know, anything. Random brick of bread. Yeah, let yeah, us know. Yeah, new stuff. If you want, if you want different stuff, if you don't like what we're doing, if, if you have a problem with what we said, let Pernell know. I'll give you your personal email. <laughs> let Pernell know. Yeah, yeah. Pernell's my manager. He'll let me know. He, he keeps me like, in line. <laughs> just crack knuckles and, and drink Kool-Aid. Like, yeah. Uh, that's not Kool-Aid. Rob's like, what? <laughs> oh, Astrid, this is actually Mio energy. Oh, you're going for that stuff again. Um, no, Mio's good. There's nothing wrong with Oh, Mio. that's the stuff with the drops you put in the thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. This is, I guess, still. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I hate Mio. I, n- I never had it. I'll have to try it sometime, but not the energy stuff because I, I don't do that anymore. But uh, everyone, thanks for listening to the show, Rhythm and Pixels. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. And remember, spoiler, I already said it earlier in the show. Haste makes waste. And not to mention the fact that all things take time. If you feel as though you need to make accomplish a goal, build yourself, grow towards something, if you're not seeing the progress and the results in the immediate future, don't feel discouraged. If you don't feel as though you're putting enough effort in, then hey, there's no quant- there's nothing wrong with putting in more effort. Nothing wrong with that at all. But with that said, if you are putting in all the effort you possibly believe you can, and you're not seeing the progress and results you want just yet, just keep at it. They'll eventually come, and when they do, you'll likely be floored by them or pleasantly surprised. Either way, keep stretching and reaching towards your goals.